and I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday Night Wars episode 2. The Wednesday Night Wars did not, in fact, end after one week. So we are back with episode 2. I'm Garrett and I'm joined, as always, and we're into episode 2. So it is, in fact, as always, by Liam. Liam, how are you doing this week? We have a 100% success rate of on doing... me being here. So you're saying you didn't drop out of the You were thinking of dropping out of the podcast? Is that what you're saying, Liam? I was not 100% convinced that the that the podcast nor the Wednesday Night Wars would continue a second week. Did you really think they'd, they'd back... Fair enough that they issued that statement last week, which is the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. But did you really think they'd back out after a week? They got destroyed. But did you really think WWE would back down after one week? No, but part of me would thought it'd be really funny if they changed the time by like an hour. <laughs> All right, we're moving. Well, this was they'd probably move back. So they'd probably move to nine from from eight to ten to nine to eleven, which not great. Mm. We we had we had a crisis. We had a big baseball crisis yesterday. Were you were you keeping track of the Cardinals against Atlanta game? I think I don't know baseball. Uh, I'll have you know that I wake up in the morning of Thursdays in order to watch this show. Like I go straight from this to AEW. Like sleeping to AEW is my routine. I don't even check Twitter normally, so. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, AEW airs at 10 a.m. for you, does it? Yes. Uh, in the U.S., baseball is on TNT in the U.S., or, or TBS, technically, in the U.S. And if a baseball game goes long, there was another one scheduled to start at half eight. AEW is scheduled to start at eight. So if the baseball went slightly longer than anticipated, the baseball game that went long would have been bumped down to TNT. AEW would have been bumped down to uh, True TV. And then the second baseball game would have started on TBS. So uh, they would have been preempted. That's just I, gobbledygook <laughs> to you, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, okay. How would that have affected me, a fight.tv viewer? Yeah, it wouldn't have at all, which is funny. But it, it turned out that they ended up airing on two channels instead of one. So uh, everything's coming up Tony Khan, I guess. On his birthday. Happy birthday, Big Tone. He is. He is. Happy the, the, birthday, TK. He's the reason for the Wednesday Night Wars. So we had two more shows this week. They did, in fact, produce four more hours of television, AEW and NXT. Last week, we said that we'd alternate back and forth, and then you suggested that the winner of each week should go first the following week. So I think that's a better idea. So you're right. And uh, this is the only time I will concede you're right in the history of this podcast. But So we're going to start with AEW instead. Uh, once again, I'm coming up with all of... The idea is I'm a creative juggernaut in the podcasting industry and everyone should employ me in some manner. And I have to convince you to do the show. Never mind, frickin'. <laughs> don't, don't air our dirty laundry on the podcast. <laughs> Alright, so we'll, we'll jump straight into AEW, uh, which opened with a tremendous match. A really great match between Private Party and the Young Bucks. Like, I expected this match to be great, and it was, in fact, really great. And big news, big story coming out of it. Private Party won. I... Fucking loved this match so much. I saw people having like the tag team match of the year level, and I was like, I like this match. I wouldn't go that far. I think this was a really great. I think this is the best match in the history of AEW Dynamite <laughs> in all two episodes. It wow, is... <laughs> that's a big claim. It was in fact better than Rio and Nyla Rose last week, but it's like better than MJF versus Brandon Cutler. Oh, oh, oh only just that's that was an all time classic. They're the top two. 
but the young, the young Bucks lost. Were you? Uh, I I know when the brackets came, my first came out. Every literally everybody's first instinct was the young bucks are losing, and then I kind of worked myself into a shoot thinking they weren't going to lose. But then, like the the next match in the bracket was natural because the the Lucha Bros are facing Jurassic Express. So everyone looked at those graphics or those brackets and said they're not going to do the Young Bucks against Jurassic Express or against the Lucha Bros again. And no, they're not because Private Party won. Yeah, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. I know AEW booking so well. I'm basically perfect. I actually did think that it was either going to be the Private Party win or Jungle Express won. Mm. And I thought it was more likely that Private Party win. I was on the exact other side of that. I thought it was more likely that Jurassic Express would pick up a, a win over the Lucha Bros because uh, Luchasaurus is very popular. Well, my thought was that Matt and Nick would just go into a feud with LAX. Which, based on the end of the show, that is probably what's going to happen. So, who's going to win the tag titles now? Um, Lucha Brothers? I'd have to say the Lucha Bros are favourites, but it's it's a wide-open tournament at this stage. I mean, it definitely makes it more interesting. It better not be the Dark Order. Like, I, 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 pretty, I'd accept pretty much every other team in this tournament winning except the Dark Order. Yeah, as much as I love the Super Smash Bros, this ain't it. No, at least not yet. Like, get them into a program with the Bucks and let them have just killer matches with the Bucks and then people will accept them. Until then... Also, just let them be dumb video game nerds. It's their best thing. That's true. They haven't been... There was a moment in the show where the lights went out twice. And both times, they're like, oh no, are they going to roll out the Dark Order? And both times, they didn't. Thank God. I audibly did say, spooky perverts, and then Cody showed up. <laughs> Cody is the spookiest of perverts. Truly the undertaker of AEW. So they had uh, Mark Quinn the Meltzer driver, and he basically cradled uh, Matt Jackson for the win. And yeah, they're they're advancing to the next round. Also, they're super over. They are, and like, they, like they're, there's like they're they're great. These guys just go out there and do cool flips and get super over, and they wrestle the freaking young bucks, who are the best tag team in the world for the last decade. And this is this is what I want out of this television show. This is is as I said, it's the best match in the history of this show. I'd like to see a match like this every single week. In front of that crowd, you just put the Bucks or Kenny or Mox or Pac out there every single week to have a match this good, and I will be a happy camper. This was the first part of the night where we saw production issues. Mm-hmm. And mainly camera cuts, missing dives, and Jim Ross not knowing people's names. JR. I defended JR last week because I thought the commentary was actively good, and yeah... He, he reverted to from this week. We're not allowed to have two weeks of good JR. The, like, he's doing the intro and he forgot the name of the building. I don't, like, <laughs> he's like, welcome everybody, we're in Boston in the... And that long pause was the pause he left on the television show before he... I don't, I don't even know how to pronounce the name of the building, but I'm not broadcasting. It's a Gannett Arena, I think. But I think he only realized, literally on air, it's like, I don't know how to say this word. <laughs> Personally, my favorite JR moment was him getting scared by the 10-minute call. Yes, yes. It was in this match where Justin Roberts is, is 10 minutes gone, 10 minutes remaining. He's like, what? What was that? What? what? He was so confused. But, like, it's not like it's a new thing. No. I know, like, he's been calling wrestling since the NWA days. They did that back then, too, didn't they? Probably. Who could possibly tell? It's not like he was sitting in WWE land where they don't do time limits and don't do anything remotely resembling sports. No, like, he was a man of the sport. He should know that there are announcements made to crowds generally. Mm. 
But yeah, this is a really good match. This was. This was I also great. wanted to mention because we didn't get to mention it last week, but I like that both weeks have started with the Road Two style vignettes. And I want more of them. I'm I'm kind of bummed that like the, both weeks like we've only had it before the first match, which is cool. It's cool to have it before one of the matches. But uh, I I was going to talk about this more during NXT, but NXT have done a bunch of those kind of features, and they've all felt empty to me. Like they have uh, Donovan, Donovan Dijakovic go out there and talk about his his dispute with Keith Lee, and he just kind of says nothing, and I don't think it really adds anything. And these ones, it's like they tell you who they are to tell you why this match matters, and then they go into the match, and they're really good, and I'd, I would like more of them. I want more of those Road to elements incorporated into the show. Yeah, um, I don't know why you wouldn't put a focus on it. It's some of the best stuff they do content-wise. Yeah, way better than being the Elite. <laughs> and actually, I'll be super bummed if the Road to stuff goes by the wayside with weekly TV. Because we haven't had one since. No, but we've still had being the Elite. Well, we have AEW Dark, which is a shore television show. <laughs> Well, you you were one to rag on it, and then they gave us Omega versus Janela on that show. So yeah, that's that, that's a, that's a choice. That's like his first match in the TV era is on AEW Dark in an unsanctioned match. Actually, what I really liked, did you notice John Moxley's win loss count did not include the unsanctioned win over John, or on over Joy Janela? I did not, but that is a nice touch. Yeah, because it's not sanctioned. It's not an official match, so it doesn't count. I, that, that's it's a good attention to detail there, AEW. While we're on production issues, and I think it was less of an issue as the show went on, but it was a big issue last week and a big issue at the, big issue at the start of the show. I hate, hate, detest Liam. I hate their crowd shots. They are so bad. They don't even pick interesting things to take <laughs> shots of. They just cut to some random person in the crowd not making a reaction, and then th- that's it, apparently. Seriously, like, who looks at the WWE product and then goes, you know what we need to add? The boring, lifeless crowd shots. And, like, I'm, I'm un- of the opinion that even if there's someone making, like, the coolest jump up and down face, I, I, that doesn't add anything for me. Like, I want to see the action, I want to see the responses of the competitors, I want to see the emotion of the wrestlers, I don't want to see some doof in the crowd. And by the time you get to it, they're already at the end of the cheering and like, yeah, we're having such a great time. Also, let's be real, the AEW crowd kind of sucks. Does it? They're not like... Like, When you watch NXT, you see people who are very, like, into the minutia of wrestling, you can see them responding to spots, and AEW's crowd is actually pretty different, they don't really respond like that. I want to clarify, I don't mean as in they are a bad pro wrestling crowd. I mean that each episode and every event, basically, I've seen someone in the crowd that I have learned to detest. <laughs> you just hate the people. You just yes. see that, that guy in the Randy Savage shirt, just like, I want to hit you in the oh, face. Oh, I, I really didn't like him. He was just <laughs> over-exuberant, big poses. And then this week, there was just some dude in the crowd screaming at the top of his lungs into the ring. Well, and it got picked up by the mic somehow. And it wasn't like... It was like he was having a conversation. <laughs> well, last week he got Orange Cassidy, kid. That kid was great. Uh, I guess with the bad comes the good. Yes, and that kid did, did good numbers for me on Twitter, which is all that matters as I exploit that about nine-year-old for Twitter, <laughs> Twitter cloud. <laughs> and then plugged the podcast in that tweet. So thank you, Orange Cassidy, kid. So Chris Jericho had a really good segment. Chris Jericho's great. There is, like, Chris Jericho is one of those human beings whose performer instincts 
are like so leaps and bounds above absolutely everybody else that you can put a live camera on him backstage and he'll come up with a little bit of bubbly and it will go viral. Or you can put him in the ring last week and he can say, who threw this wiener in the ring and it will go viral. And you can put him in the ring this week where he's doing his big stable intro. People will chant, we the people. And he will shut it down in a way that both adds heat to his stable, but also like fuels the brand narrative of AW. And no one else can do that. No one else is that sharp in that environment to actually be able to do that. He was so good at everything in this segment. Like, just from the way, the way he put over the members of the group, the way he interacted with the crowd, and everything just felt so natural. You know what I mean? Like, everything felt like, oh, this man is just making this up, and it's coming naturally, and it feels like a superstar talking. It kind of bummed me out, because it's like, you could have had 20 years of this Chris Jericho. <laughs> I mean, where would he have done it? <laughs> That's the problem. Where would he have done it? Because, like, we we probably saw a lot of this Chris Jericho on WCW. Because I don't think they were, like, uh, heavily scripting his frickin' Man of a Thousand and Four Holds promos. And then, not like his promos were bad in WWE, but they're WWE promos. They're they're well-delivered corporate-speak nonsense with no emotion whatsoever. And now we just see him cut loose. And as you said, the way he he built up all of his stable, because that stable is a weird hodgepodge of people. Like, Sammy Guevara, who we we, we pointed out his penchant for shirtless thumbnails last week. He came out shirtless in this segment. (laughs) Which he looked because like, they didn't have their shirt yet. That's true. He couldn't come out wearing the shirt. Fair enough. He has an excuse. He, he was not allowed to wear his shirt because they didn't reveal the name yet. But, but he, Chris Jericho did refer to him as a Spanish god. Sure. But like this weird hodgepodge of people. You have LAX. You have Jake Hager. You have Sammy Guevara. And you have Chris Jericho. Who like on paper, if you showed someone that stable before they debuted on TV, it's like these people don't fit together. But Jericho made it make sense narratively and like just as why would this character want to have these other characters around him because like they have the narrative perspective of Jericho brought in all of these guys into the, the company they, they they were the people that he vouched for and you also have the like hey of course he wants the undefeated Bellator Jack Hager and the, the added element that there is the big stable in the company is the elite and he doesn't want to face all of them alone he keeps calling them all elite, which I really like. Mm. Actually, you mentioned bringing people into the, the company. A really nice touch in the opener where they drove home the fact that the Young Bucks personally recruited Private Party, that they went to House of Glory to give them contracts, and then Private Party beat them. And I really like that touch of, like, they brought them here, and then that's come back to haunt them because they knocked them out of the tag tournament. Well, that was, like, uh, another big ups for Excalibur, because I think he was the one who brought that up. Hmm. But Chris Jericho, Chris, just give this man a live mic for 10 minutes every week. He will create memes, he will cut great promos, and he will give you buzz. Like I thought the, la- the first half hour of last week's AEW was superb, and this week's was even better. You had an even better opening match and an even better like second segment promo. God, uh, again, the, these, these two opening hours, this, the, this whole show should be this. It's really unfair for Chris Jericho to be ballot stuffing this late in the game. Do you think he's not going to win awards? Is he? He's going to win best on. He might win best on interviews. Listen, I don't know, but I think that's a discussion to be made. I suppose he's main evented most of AEW's big shows, all of which have sold out. Has has full gear sold out? It might not have. 
but the other ones have sold out. And these first two, ta- two TV tapings in which he was both in the main event of both, winning both matches. He'll be in the main event next week. And he'll be in the main event next week. Actually, that's, that's an interesting choice as well, that they've main evented all three shows with Chris Jericho. I thought he'd be more of a sometimes food. Exactly what I was thinking while watching the show. I was like, I had assumed and what all we had heard, like contract-wise, was that he was going to be kind of a part-time guy. But it seems he's going to be there all the time. And how better to establish your world champion than him winning with his finish in the first week, winning with his finish in the second week, and one would assume, unless there's the upset of all upsets next week, he will beat Darby Allin next week. Speaking of Darby Allin, that gives us a nice pivot into the number one contendership match between Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allin, which was a a fine match. It was pretty good. (sighs) Okay. Uh, Jimmy Havoc. Okay. I don't know if he is someone I would put on my TV very often. Uh, He... He feels weirdly out of place in the company. And I'm not sure yeah. that might be a good thing and that like he feels very different. But yeah. it's also a bad thing in the sense that is is he a TV guy? I'm not so sure. And it's it's like um they're not exactly using him to his strengths. Like the reason he was so over and such a big deal in progress was he had heavily edited vignettes that would hype him up as this scary end boss. But when there's when you see him on AEW, he's being like doing these backyard growly promos, and he's wrestling in non-hardcore matches on TV. Mm. Like you, you fight. How do you expect this man to excel when you're doing nothing to help him excel? Maybe they don't want him to. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they see Jimmy Havoc as a mid-card guy. But, but then who do you like? If you're going to do hardcore matches, you kind of just have to stick them with Janela, don't you? And maybe that's a big TV feud they might do, because they did a little bit of it in the Cracker Barrel, whatchamacallits, at All Out. Do you just do a full Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela program? That would probably not be the worst idea in the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, and or you could do, like, some crazy foes-turned-friendship tag-team deal with them, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind that. I'm not sure they would go around. <laughs> I'm trying to picture them as a team. Yeah, but, like, I, I don't see what else you really do with Jimmy. Maybe he just becomes, like, mid-card Kane. Mm. Comes out and scares the mid-card heels. He did get an inset promo before this match while he was making his entrance. where he, he basically, That's what I was referring to, yeah. He, he, he talked about, like, his journey to get there as opposed to, like, all right, you're a 15-year veteran, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. You know, what, why, why should we actually care, you know? It's like, yeah. It's, that's, that's, like, a variation on the... I love wrestling promo. I have another JR note. All right. He's doing a very big pet peeve of mine throughout this show, but it started really happening here where he starts to diminish what the referee is doing. Yeah. And it's very annoying because why are you bringing attention to the mistakes the referees are making? Unless that's like, I kind of like the idea that not that referees are characters, but referees have different characteristics. You know, I Ob- don't mind that. Ob- Aubrey Edwards is stricter. Uh, uh, Rick Knox might let more go. And if, if that's what the, the, the announcers refer to, and I don't mind then if JR is like, oh, Rick Knox should be more like Aubrey Edwards, because I think that calls attention and brings kind of style to that. But yeah, he, he has a penchant for just burying referees when they don't do what he likes. <laughs> it, and, and then it's reliant on the other people like Excalibur to go and say, well, you know, it's the referee discretion and, and provide excuses. Mm. But like, we don't need to have those excuses if you don't point out the problem in the first place. That is true. I, 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 um, I really do like the idea of referees being different. 
Like 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 the I mean, the idea that that Bryce Ramsburg is is more like oh he prefers to, he'll let them brawl on the outside longer without starting a ten count stuff like that's kind of cool. I mean that's cool, but you got to do it with some ounce of subtlety. That's true, which Jim Ross doesn't tend to have these days. I was want to give a quick note to Darby like insane distance on the coffin drop in this match. Yeah, I was I was actually I, was, I thought it wasn't going to be the finish because he was so far away. I was like oh he's definitely going to move, and then like no no it was the finish. Okay. <laughs> And we get the best possible match, which is Darby and Jericho. Yeah, like Jimmy Havoc winning would have been a truly bizarre choice, and they didn't make it. So I hope I hope they basically take the road to feet John Darby Allen and just slap it onto next week's show because that's real good, and they should put that in front of their 1.4 million TNT viewers. Yeah, all good decisions made so far. Indeed. So that is Darby Allen against Chris Jericho next week. Uh, speaking of setting up matches for next week, I believe, Bea Priestley and Emi Sakura uh, versus Rio and... Did you know... Now, Liam, this is... This might be revelatory information to you. Did you know mm-hmm. Britt Baker yes. is both a doctor and a dentist? Wait a minute. You're telling me she has time to do other things outside of wrestling? I know, right? How does she balance being a pro wrestler and working on people's teeth? Well... If only she had some sort of a move that would involve the teeth. That would really just tie everything all together. We're, we're going to do this bit every week until they shut up about her being a dentist. So never. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never. Emmy was back. And she was probably one of the better parts of this match. She sure was. How could you hate Emmy? Anyone who doesn't like Emmy is dumb. The The women's match on Dark was not particularly good. And this was a considerable step better. Um, I've seen some people like say some downer things on this match, but I really liked it. Like I, it kind of got lost, it kind of lost the crowd. But like at home watching it, I really enjoyed it. If you were like Britt Breaker wasn't particularly good in this match, I'd be like, yeah, she kind of wasn't. And if you were like everyone else, yeah, but I don't really good, expect Britt. I don't really expect Britt Breaker to be good in <laughs> matches. Yes, but if she's bad in the match, she's bad in the match. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I thought this was a perfectly fine. TV match, as I said, much better than the, the women's match on Dark, which was kind of actively terrible. And uh, I'm surprised they're going straight to Rio against Britt Baker without doing Britt Baker versus Bea Priestley first. Maybe Bea Priestley will cost her the match next week. I would not put it past them, because that match is for the AW Women's Championship next week. Uh, they, obviously, they've been building uh, Britt Baker and Bea Priestley. Uh, did you see a photo on Twitter where Bea Priestley seemed to give Britt Baker a black eye? <laughs> It seems to be a thing that B Priestley is doing. <laughs> she concussed her in freaking uh, fire. That was fight for the fallen, and now she's giving her a black eye. So they they have a fun what? relationship. <laughs> Where is Sadie Gibbs? I have no idea. Like I've I heard so much about her and like how like great and athletic she is, and I haven't seen her at all. So well, full gear women's matches are probably Rio against Nyla again and B against Brit, right? I imagine so. Where's... I don't mind either of those matches. I like B. I like B. She's B. good. Where's where's freaking where are the Kongs gone? Who? Uh, Aja and Awesome Kong. Oh yeah. Whatever happened? They did the stand down. They never like. Well, it's been no follow up. Yeah, they did the big tease, and I'm like, I'm into that match. That's a match I want to see. And then nothing. And Kong hasn't been and, on any of these shows. And Big TK confirmed that she was signed to the roster. Yeah, which is like uh, Awesome Kong is not the four she was. Like, she is, she is nowhere near the four she was. But she's still freaking awesome Kong. And she's on Glow, so... Perhaps they're going to do something with the inevitable AW Women's Tag Team titles. 
we got our best friends are in the crowd. Orange Cassidy's there too. Uh, uh, was this segment a dark segment? Uh, I no, I don't think it was, which was bizarre. I that then they mm-hmm. like like cut to black in a very weird aggressive way, and then the Sean Spears is there. I gave this leniency because I thought this was a dark segment. No, I'm, but if I, this was I'm, on TV, this was awful. I'm pretty sure this was on TNT. Actually, that's that's a weird thing of watching on fight because the way they throw to breaks, you sometimes don't even realize they've thrown to breaks. That happens to me a lot, actually. Whereas, like, I was watching NXT, and every time they went to break, I know, like, you, you can't possibly miss it because it's Mauro freaking Ronaldo. But but yeah, and those, on this show, it's like, did they go break? Because like, I had a note in the first match that I really liked how long they stayed on Private Party winning the match. But they didn't. They went to break at TNT and that was just on fight. Uh, there was a couple of things like in the lead up to this which I hope was on break because now I don't know. Like Park struggling with his mic for a solid minute and a half. In, fa- in fairness, I think Sean Spears made his entrance. Then they went to break on TNT and they came back from Ox's entrance. Well, good then. So, <laughs> you proven yeah. me wrong, TNT and... Because, yeah, during the break, you had Pac awkwardly come out onto commentary, stumble with his headset, and then uh, Tully Blanchard cut a very, very brief promo. And Pac was on commentary, and you could actually tell, unlike with Britt Baker. I like them just being sassy to JR. Anytime JR would ask him a question, he would completely dismiss it. And then JR would kind of, like, bury his answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just got salty because Pac was mean to him. Um, of course, we we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but John gets the big John. I was so happy. I was like, oh, because my first thing is like, that's weird to do for John Moxley. But then it's like, wait, that's his big John Cena announcement, which he's now giving to John Moxley. So John Moxley is the new John Cena. Justin Roberts says so. Lock it in. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a match that happened. Sure was. Not really. Moxley won. It was fine. It was the most threeest, threeest, three I've ever threed. Yeah. Sean Spears is a short... He sure is a good mid-card hand. Why isn't Mox getting a mic? Uh, I don't know, because did you see the, the promo he got on Twitter today? It was great. Yeah. So more of Mox cutting promos on Twitter. Put that on the show. And then we go into the post-match segment with Omega coming out wearing a black t-shirt. Yes. And barbed wire cleaning utensils. As one does. <laughs> Are they going to do a full unsanctioned match, you think? I want a match. That's, that's... I want glass, and I want tubes. They're 100% suggesting Kenny and, and Mox are going to do a death match. Ah, oh, just Mox taking the one-wing angel through a bunch of light tubes. Mm. And I, I think they could use that to explain away why the, neither of them are the next number one contender as well, because, oh, it was unsanctioned, therefore it doesn't count toward their records. Do you think Park and Mox is the the direction after the Omega stuff. Well, you see, that could have went two ways because either Mox is upset that he, he attacked Kenny or do you think they're they're going to be a, a little stable boy? Do you think we're going to go full New Japan on this where everyone's in a stable? I, I'm very interested because that segment left me with a lot of questions. Yeah. I, I, why is Pac attacking Kenny after he beat him? Fair enough. I like the idea that, that Pac is kind of pissed because, like, realistically, he was overlooked for the, the title match next week. Because, like, he beat Kenny Omega and he beat Hangman Page. He should have been number one contender rather than freaking Darren Jeff Cody's like, oh, it's the quality of the wins. He just beat two of the top guys in the company. Yeah, and, like, that was the thing that a lot of people, a lot of the fans on Twitter mentioned. So I'm glad they actually gave some sort of a reasoning. It's a, it's a story reason. Yeah. Or well, they turned it, it into a story reason. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, where, where are they going to go? Are they going to go to Pack and Kenny? Are they going to go to Pack and Moxley? Are they going to go to a Pack and Moxley team slash stable? Who knows? They could go in literally all three directions. I was actually really bummed out that Moxley didn't have his long boys. Oh, uh, why? I, li- I like his, his shorter. I don't, I don't like the long boys. I See, I like the long boys for his AEW gear. I thought it made him like seem... That looked like that was main event gear to me. Hmm. Speaking of main event, you're a master of segues, Liam. I set him up, you knock him out. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara defeated Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Page after uh, Jake Hager interfered and just briefly sideswiped Dustin Rhodes. A really good, like, I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say go out of your way to watch this match, but this is, like, a good, solid TV main event. A really fun match from two people who crashed the Pro Wrestling Tees site with the induction of their new shirt. They sure did. They, like, literally, they mentioned it on air in the in the second segment on the show. And it was down before, like, people could even go to see. Was it down? It's like... I got to the site as um, Excalibur was finishing his sentence and it had already crashed. <laughs> I mean, like, Pro Wrestling Tees is a pretty big site. I think they're they're relatively well-equipped for traffic. And they took that bad boy down. Well, they said, like, the Pro Wrestling Tees Twitter mentioned that, like, this had been the first time they had been down in a number of months or whatever. Yeah. One mention on TNT takes an entire... They are a t-shirt company, after all, Liam. You'd expect them to sell t-shirts. Are you going to be buying the Inner Circle t-shirt? Probably not. I do have an AW shirt, but... What are your thoughts on the name The Inner Circle? I think it's a good, solid name. I thought that one states were going to call them The List, and I was like, oh, no. But Inner Circle. I I also thought that was where they were going. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into Inner Circle. That's pretty good. Part of me was hoping for a pun on Elite. The, I don't know where you would go for it, but I was hoping for an Elite-based pun. Sure. The Delete. <laughs> Bring in Matt Hardy. When his contract's up in 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, good solid TV main. I, I want a Jericho and Dustin match. I really want a Jericho and Dustin match. They must really love Sammy. I, I'm so happy because like when Sa- when Sammy was in that opening match I was like oh it's cool that they're putting him in that opening match he'll get a good rub from Cody and lose and then he he, he served as a distraction for Jericho it's like oh it's, it's nice that he didn't just disappear and then he joined the stable at the end of last week's show it's like oh they actually have like legitimate plans for Sammy and now he's in the damn main event yeah in the main event team with Chris Jericho winning uh, they seem to pivot to Hangman Page against Jake Hager, so he doesn't have a natural program unless he takes on Dustin Rhodes at the pay-per-view, maybe? But it's, it's good that he's in there. Like, he's the pin-taker for the group for a while. Everyone probably acknowledges that. It's like, when they need someone in that group to lose, it will probably be Sammy, maybe one of LAX. But for the time being, that's a really good spot for him. It's a, it's a considerably better spot than I think most people would have expected for him. He's seemingly taking the role that Hangman Page took in the Elite when he first joined. Mm, or the pin taker slowly evolving into uh, future of the company. Whether that works yeah. out for Hangman Page, we'll see. Whether it works out for Sammy, we'll also see. But I like Sammy a lot. I've always been very high on Sammy. I think Sammy's cool. Yeah. This, Sammy was great. This match was a lot of fun. And it's really nice to see Dustin wrestling. Mm, as I said, give me Dustin and Jericho. Give me a big Dustin-Jericho plunder match. That would be so good. A big, like, Lucha Bro Jericho just yeah. going, dusting bleeding buckets. Bleeding all over the place. Be great. I actually thought that the, this match might actually, they might have 
Dustin's or Dustin or Hangman scored the pin on Sammy in this match to set up a, a title match next week because I would thought oh, Jericho and Dustin to set uh, to toward Jericho and Cody perfect TV title match but no they went with Darby which I also approve of. Speaking of Darby, speaking of Darby, <laughs> the post match angle was so good. Like it's just a big old brawl where everyone comes out and fights, but the timing of everything was so good, and it's it culminating in Darby Allen riding down the ramp on his skateboard to attack Chris Jericho was so good. It was so good. It was it was essentially the same angle as last week. It, it totally but, was, but the crowd went batshit crazy for it again. But it's like, yeah, does, does it really matter if you're repeating the same angle if it's great both times? Yeah, if the if the crowd goes absolutely nuts and they like it, it served a purpose. It built towards Darby Allen against Chris Jericho next week. It probably built towards the Young Bucks against LAX at, at Full Gear, and there's probably Jake Hager against Hangman Page in there too. So, like. It, home run you built towards like four different matches in a hot angle that the crowd went nuts for i was initially kind of worried about how much tv time they had until full gear with it being six weeks Mm. i think but as we are going through these tvs i'm becoming more and more confident in their ability to book stuff week to week especially because like the two big matches of full gear john moxley against kenny omega and cody against chris jericho they feel like big they feel hot hmm like, and Jack Hager feels Jake. like... Jake! His name I'm, is Jake, Liam! Jake. It's going to take me so, like, so much time to get this, okay? You and Jim Jake Ross. Hager, the undefeated MMA Bellator. I am so excited for a Jake Hager match, and I cannot explain why. And Hangman's a good opponent for him. It looked like it was Dustin last week. They, they brawled to the back this week, so it looks like it's Hangman. I, I think him and Hangman was a good match. Maybe do him and Dustin on TV and him and Hangman at full gear. That would make sense. Dustin, uh, as, as Sammy is the fall taker for Inner Circle, Dustin is the fall taker for the Elite. Is Dustin in the Elite? I guess he kind of is. On um, well, I'll have you know that on being the Elite this week, he acknowledged that he was not in the Elite. Oh, so he's, he's still the natural. He's still the Lone Ranger. Um, what the story was, and was the setup to this match, actually, was uh, Dustin was yelling at Hangman and going, Hey, man, I... I will not even in the group, and I went out there, and Hangman said, I'll make it up to you, and that's why the tag match was made. Yeah. I don't watch... Like, I can't stand being the elite, if I'm honest. <laughs> I skip most of it, but I there's match announcements that I like to catch. It's, it's like, it's never been my humor, and that's fine. It's the For the people whose humor it is, they really like it, but it's never been mine. I always watch the Road 2s, because the Road 2s are always great. But that's, that's AEW Dynamite. I think, a little bit of a lull in the middle. Some, not great matches in there, but... Tremendous opening half hour, uh, good building blocks. Everything made sense. Everything built towards something. Everything had like a, an actual purpose, and then that main event and main event angle were both also tremendous. I liked this show better than last week's show. Yeah, if they fill out that that middle hour, like the first half hour and the last half hour, were both like just super duper home runs. I think if they fill out that middle hour with a little bit of better wrestling, I think that's really all it needs. It's like closer to yeah. like three, three and a half star matches rather than two and a half star matches. You know that that's that's really the only difference. It is once once they nail that and once these mid card guys start actually getting over, uh, I will be on board. Maybe they should just have four squash matches on the show. Speaking of, uh, I assume you're pivoting to WWE NXT on USA Network, which I almost admire. The degree to which this show stayed in its lane after they got so thoroughly smushed last week. 
Like this was it's astounding. <laughs> it's like that talk about sticking to your guns and believing in what you're doing, maybe to a fault. We'll find that out, I think perhaps to a fault. But like this show was the least reactionary show it could possibly have been. We were sitting here expecting big moves, main roster talent. I I, I think the people that are like main roster talent, they're going to put The Undertaker on the show. I think they're not going to do that. I didn't think The Undertaker was going to show up. I did think maybe, I don't know, uh, The Revival would show up or something. Mm. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Past NXT guests of the week coming down to do a match. Make it Mm. a weekly thing. The problem is you can't have them win every time. That's true. I'm surprised at the degree to which this was just another episode of NXT. After, as they said, they got beaten comprehensively. As comprehensively, like, more comprehensively than most people expected. And they just, they did an episode of NXT. Like, there's something to be said about the bowls. Mm. And them just, like, going with the flow regardless. I Again, like you said, we don't know, will this work out? Will it not? Like, it's easy to judge it, but let's see how it goes. Yeah, as I said, I admire sticking to your guns, even if those guns are misfiring. We opened with a really good match. Drew Gulak against Leo Rush. Leo Rush won the now NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, Not as good as the Matt Riddle and Adam Cole match last week, not even close, but a good opener. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the actual match, but what I do have to say is I kind of feel bad for Gulak coming in and dropping the belt straight away. Because I was kind of hoping for some integration with the NXT Cruiserweight title. But I understand that they're doing this big story with Leo and he's becoming a, like a focal point on the brand. But yeah, I'm kind of bummed for Gulak because I really have enjoyed Gulak's stuff on the main roster. Some of the few main roster uh, content I've been watching. I feel like the post-Buddy Murphy era of 205 Live is just entirely forgotten. You know, it, it's just, it exists, it happened. There's been two champions. We had Drew Gulak and Tony Nese. But I think people have just totally checked out on that show. So I'm not like entirely against just hitting the reset button with Leo Rush on TV. But then I kind of agree that I think Drew Gulak was a much better champion than Nese was. And was doing a good job. And now he's not champion anymore. I just hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle that is the 10,000 people NXT have employed. That, 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 this raw, like... The roster is far too big, and like AEW is a big roster, you know. Like the likes of SEU have been barely featured on the show. The likes of the Lucha Bros have been barely featured on the show. But AEW knows that they have a core like eight people that are always going to be on the show every week. The likes of Kenny Omega and Pac and John Moxley and the Young Bucks and Chris Jericho are always going to be on the show every week. And then the rest are kind of a revolving door. Whereas like this entire show is a revolving door. Like no sign of. Frickin'... I'd say, with the exception of the Undisputed Era, who, just because of their sheer numbers, will always be featured in some manner. Mm. But, like, there was no Gargano on this show. And most notably, he had a couple of video packages, but I thought it was a truly baffling choice to have no Finn Balor on this show. My only, like, guess is that they're trying to hype up his return to get some sort of a boost. Like, a ring return, but yeah. how much of a boost is he really going to give you? That's they like, gotta try. Like Finn Balor was a star in NXT, and then he went to the main roster, and then like he won the Universal Title, got hurt, and then everything after what happened when he got hurt, basically he's been a mid card goof for that entire time since. So like, is he yeah. a star still? I don't know. Can they make him a star again? M- maybe, but I still would have put him on this show. I think it's not very hard to rehabilitate Finn Balor in front of that audience, mm. but I. 
I, I yeah, I, I get them tr- wanting to hype up the return more than just, oh, he returned and now he's back. I will say maybe that, not doing it in the week after you got crushed in the ratings, but uh, pet peeve in this match. Um, Drew Gulak had a cyclone crash where he hit it in a way that very clearly set Leo Rush up to put his foot in the ropes, and that annoyed me. Well, you know what else annoyed us in this match? Oh dear! All right, fire fire myself up, Mauro Ronaldo. You know what really upset me on this show? I expected out of Mauro. Beth Phoenix was suddenly just as bad. <laughs> Beth Phoenix in a certain tag match later on in this show. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay, Mauro quotes, ladies and gentlemen, Gulak, known as the Philadelphia Stretcher, that city known for its double toughness, the mascot gritty. Well, they don't come much grittier than Drew Gulak. That one was so good, I wrote it down as well. The thing is, if Mauro had one of these a show, if he had just one, they'd be like, oh, that's a good line. You know? He has like four a match. There's, there was four of them in this match. Man of the hour, trying to attract the Cruiserweight title like a moth to the flame. How do you spell Leo? L-I-T. That doesn't even make sense. I physically recoiled from the screen as you said that. (laughs) The action hotter than the Iron Throne in a battle for the Cruiserweight Throne. Get it, Liam? That's a Game of Thrones reference. I don't get it. (laughs) Oh, like, as I said, if if that freaking gritty line was the only one of those he did on this show, I'd be like, oh, that's that's, that's, look at Maro doing his funny little thing. But there was like four of them in this 10-minute opening contest on NXT. It's like, stop! Just stop, please! And look, there was a point in the show where he's like, I pride myself on my pop culture references. It's like, We know that you pride yourself on your pop culture references. Like, say what you want about Maro and his insaneless, inane pop culture references at least he knows the competitors names that is true at least it wasn't leo rush versus his adversary the entire time i suppose he does like as i said mauro can be the best announcer in wrestling that's what makes mauro so annoying that like when mauro's on his game and great and not like being self-indulgent and dopey he can be legitimately the best announcer in wrestling and then but he's he's just freaking self-indulgent and dopey all the time I don't know what it is. Maybe he just knows it. He knows that he can get away with it, and he likes it. I always assumed that it was a main roster Vince choice, mm. but like now I've seen it in NXT, it's clearly something he enjoys. So We then reached squash match section of NXT, which was the rest uh, of the hour, basically. There was one good squash match. I thought Rhea Ripley against Elias was a really good squash match. But it was one we had already seen. That's true, but she did the thing where she lifted her up in like the Texas Cloverleaf and held her there, and that looks really cool. That was really cool. My one note for this is Rhea is very strong. She is very strong. I thought you hated her accent. Oh, I don't want to get into the accent stuff. Don't you want to? Uh, Liam, Liam DeEnvy, it's like she has a bad Australian accent and I wanted him to do a taxonomy of Australian accents. I will break it down more in the future. All right. Well. But there are a variety of Australian accents. Some of them are pleasant. Mm-hmm. Some of them are cool. And some of them are annoying. I'm sure the listeners Rhea can Ripley. decide which one you have. <laughs> I have the nice one. Okay. Rhea Ripley has the annoying one. Kyle Fletcher has the annoying one. Liam's Australian, by the way. He can say this. <laughs> well, it's well, it's like there's a ton of different American dialects. I assume there's a ton of different uh, Irish accents. Do you hate the Dublin accent? I do. With the no, I hate most Irish accents. Well, Dublin in particular. Dublin. Ugh. Like. 
to me, I love all Irish accents because they all sound nice to me mm. or they sound cool to me. And people think that about the Australian accent too. But I like, there's a certain level of like chav that comes out in Australian accents. And Rhea has it and Kyle Fletcher has it. The Nightmare has moved from Elm Street to NXT. Beth, Beth, you don't have to do this. Blink twice if he's forcing you to do this. Seriously, like, I expect it from him, but Mm. Beth, really? Uh, Squash match number two, surprisingly, the other way around. Breeze Angle got squashed by the Forgotten Sons, who I also forgot existed. Because Gunner's there, it's Gunner! I love Gunner. I love Gunstorm. I miss Gunner's music. They should buy the music from TNA. You forgot to mention that the biker men murdered the French Canadians. That's I was gonna make, I was gonna get to that. I don't like that because then they just did they replaced them in the match. <laughs> I'm like, how is that the precedent? How does that how is that how this works? Fun little interlude about this match. Mm-hmm. When uh, Fandango and Tyler Breeze made their entrance, I thought it was Heavy Machinery coming back, and I was like, really? That's your main roster pool, Heavy Machinery. No, it was just... Uh, in fairness, they did get rid of the siren at the start of Breeze Angle's music, which Scott, sirens belong to Scott Steiner. Thank you. I'm so bummed that Breeze Angle are somehow even more goofs in NXT. I was like, oh, they're going back to NXT. They're going to be, like, retooled as a cool tag team. And it's like, no, they're just bigger goofs than they were in the main roster. That being said, I hope they have a different stripper stick each week. <laughs> uh, I left out a Maro quote in the last match. Oh, well, we need to hear it. <laughs> She's just blown away, blown a lie away faster than candles on her birthday cake. Wow. That's, that's deep. Do you, do, you, do you have the full Tyler Breeze Fandango quote from Beth in this match? Uh, do I? Did I write it down? About getting her pipes cleaned? Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't write that down, but it was certainly, that was certainly an exchange on commentary. I had to take my headphones out. Did <laughs> it upset you it, that much? It gave me that much secondhand cringe. Mm. And I don't even like the whole cringe thing, but like that legitimately made me recoil. I didn't like that at all. Uh, the, the, the worst part was like the, the follow-up from Mauro and Nigel. It's like, oh, okay, 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 okay. By the way, did you notice that everyone has flags now? Do they? In their backstage, like, pre-match, we get up to fight, everyone has a flag behind them now, like the old UFC walkout flags. Hmm. Last week, Shayna had it, and I understood it, because she's doing, she's the MMA fighter stick. But during this show, we saw Kushida with a flag, and Imperium with a flag. Everyone loves their flags. Everyone has, they're going to sell them on, on terrible-looking t-shirts. That makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> it's, the flags I, are I probably so better than the logo everyone shirts. had... I was so perplexed as to why everyone had fight teams now. Yeah. Well, they're doing... What did you think of Kushida's sparring partners being um, Brizango? Uh, they, they, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like that Kushida's just the Back to the Future guy without any context. I don't think that really works. Because he did that entrance like five years into a New Japan run. So everyone know, knew who Kushida was. So it's like, oh, they'll accept the fact that he's now the Back to the Future guy. But he's just the Back to the Future guy on NXT. He's saying he hasn't earned his Back to the Future fandom? No. They, they haven't introduced it organically to the audience, Liam. You have to introduce Marty McFly and Doc Brown. Speaking of introducing the audience organically to things, Cameron Grimes' hat. 
Speaking of the animal kingdom, I've compared Cameron Grimes to the honey badger. Persistent, resourceful, unwavering, and most of all, ferocious. Beth, you, you don't have, have to. have the cu- <laughs> you, <laughs> you have don't. to have a couple of good boa quotes in there too. Oh, the, the, he says there was like a, a, a something along the lines of, "Oh, he restricted him like a boa. He constricted boa. Yeah, he made a boa constrictor joke. Okay, that's that's the that's the moral of the story here. The moral of the story. Yeah, sure did. This was a squash match where." What Boa was kind of slightly distracted by the entrance of Killian See, Day. That was the that was the weird thing, right? Boa wasn't distracted at all. The referee was distracted. And Cameron just hit his move in one like he did against uh, Sean Maluda a couple of weeks ago, beat him in six seconds. And then Killian Dane beat the heck out of Boa afterwards. And hit a Vader bomb, so, which would have uh, delighted Tony Schiavone. So Killian Dane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm going on about here. Yeah. I uh, do you Apparent- want to save this? We'll say we'll save it for when he actually does. That. It's it feels so. He was born in 1985, Liam. <laughs> I'm not saying Belfast wasn't a tense place in 1985 or when he was growing up in the 90s, but he grew up mostly in peacetime, and he has freaking imagery of like car bombs in his entrance video, and I'm like, that's kind of gross. I think we'll give you a taste of this discussion, but we'll wait until he actually has a match before we break it all down. Mm. You know what I really don't like about NXT? It's, it's, again, it's, it's kind of a nitpick, but every time they do an, an announcer on cameras, every time they have the three announcers there talking to you, they always play the theme song of whatever was the segment right the way through them talking. They did this with Rhea Ripley. They did this, I think, later in the show, both times when they're plugging whatever the press conference deal is they're doing this Friday. But, like, just in the background, you have Rhea Ripley's just big, loud theme beating you over the head. It's like, just just fade the music out. Just, come on. I don't have to be... That this was show's, brutality. This show is just relentless. It's like, let me breathe. Yeah, there's no... It's funny, how can a show feel so jam-packed yet so void of anything interesting at the same time. Uh, we have promos from both Damien Priest and Pete Dunne. I think... Uh, I think... I... Uh, uh, I love the Damien Priest one a lot. At least the sarcophagus of celebrity <laughs> makes, I think, slightly more sense. I love the Damien Priest video. He's. I, I, I thought it was shot super interestingly. I'm really hyped up for a Pete Dunne punishment martinez match which i never thought i would actually be interested in yeah it was much better than the keith lee and dijakovic videos which i actively disliked because i'm sick i'm sick of these two doing the we're we're gonna one-up each other we're gonna do better where it's like i've seen this match you've done it twice add another layer i don't want to hear it three times Oh, they have to. And like, if you watch them on the indies, it's like 700 times. I get you're doing the rubber match, but add another layer to this thing other than our natural opponents. We bring out the besties to know that we're going to go out there and do cool shit, which they do go out there and do cool shit. But God, give me something different in this feud. I'm very excited for the tag team that they will eventually form. (sighs) Actually, do you know them against Undisputed Era against Red Dragon? That would be a good match. NXT desperately needs some tag teams, so... They do. Speaking of good matches, uh, Isaiah Scott lost to Roderick Strong after interference from the Undisputed Era in a, again, good, not particularly great match, but I think it was a good TV match. I think this match served a similar point to the Young Bucks versus Private Party match, where Isaiah Scott got some legitimacy 
with a loss, except it was a loss and not a win, obviously. So not to the same extent, but I liked the point, and yeah. I thought they delivered the point. It was. Uh, this is my problem with NXT is that like this was a good wrestling match, but there's just not a ton to mine from it. Because like strong yeah. one, the, the post match is more important. We've been building toward whatever comes next. Scott is is more of a prop to have a good match with Strong, and maybe they'll get to Scott someday. But like, he's the the plucky loser here. And I, I I'd like more. I'd like the matches to be more meaningful on this show. Yeah, that's basically that's the problem with all these matches. They just kind of feel lifeless. Yeah, uh, post match. All right. <laughs> we had Velveteen Dream come out. And he said that Roderick Strong is going to lose the title. And then we're all going to see how small his dick is. Yes. That, 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 um, that, I'm, not, I'm not joking there. I'm not, uh, that's, that's exactly. He even had visual aids of Roderick Strong naked on a, 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 a couch with the belt covering his penis. And then they yes, removed the belt, um, and he didn't have a dick. <laughs> if you, um, for some reason, decided to not watch NXT and just listen to this, <laughs> we will describe it in detail that Roddy Strong has a little peener, according to the Velveteen Dream. It's not even he has a little um, peener. Apparently, he has no peener. You know, he has a censored peener. That's true. The interesting thing about this is, like, you know what makes Velveteen Dream cool? Mm-hmm. Just him being a cool guy. But you know what will make him even cooler? If he does main roster dick comedy. This this felt very Vince. <laughs> like, I, I was half expecting to hear Michael Cole in the background snickering, pretending to laugh at it. Yeah. This is, this is what they have for Roderick Strong and uh, Dream. Like, this this is what they've got. And I'm like, okay. Well, all right. This is what you're going to throw against AEW. The, 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 this is when you like. This is my problem with NXT. I have a lot of problems with NXT this week. That they try so hard to present themselves as an alternative. Like they, they, they it's very much a tell don't show. You have Mauro say it. You have Nigel say it over and over again. This is NXT. This is different. This is this is wrestling as you love it. And then they do this, which is like just so plucked straight out of main roster comedy. It's straight out of Mike and Maria. Like, you'd expect to see this with Maria Kanellis on Raw, just embarrassing Mike. And I'm like, what are you doing? As much as I hated this segment and hated the picture, was one thing I did enjoy was when they put the original picture up that Undisputed Era were like, yeah, he's a cool guy, look at the picture! <laughs> like, what, this isn't making fun of us? Undisputed Era is the best part of the show, because all four of them are great wrestlers, but like, they, they, they have this weird, like, frat bro vibe that works as, like, obnoxious heels, it's really good, I like them. I also really liked that um, on Twitter, Roddy's wife came out to uh, dispute these <laughs> allegations, stating that she was in a wheelchair after wedding night. This is this is Brian Cage and Melissa Santos all over again, is it? <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. The yummy penis. Why she, would you run? <laughs> she came on Twitter to say how good and yummy his penis is, Liam. Come on. <laughs> uh, this also like goes to the, the, the idea that, like, hey, let's just morph... Um, the Undisputed Era and Shayna's group, like the horsewomen together, and just make them a super group. Undisputed horsewomen. <laughs> Perfect. I really like that. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, after the match, Tomasa Champa came out. Uh, Undisputed Era ran away, and Champa's like, I am home. Tomasa still feels like a big deal to me. Uh, yeah, because he, he, the crowd likes him, and obviously he's fresh and new and back from injury. And we'll see how it's that goes. It's one of those. 
He's one of these few guys that when you hear his music, you're like, oh shit, I should actually be paying attention to the show now. And the, his music has like, I'm not going to say it's an Austin glass shatter, but it starts with like a, that kind of glass shatter. It's like, ooh, Tomasa. Tomasa? I could, I, the tomato chomper. There you go. Tomato chomper. Uh, and then, of course, we go to the main event. Uh, you forgot Bianca Belair against Dakota Kai. Oh, I, that was a purposeful choice. Because I was going to emphasize how it should have been the main event next. Yeah. Well, that would mean the main event would have been another 15 minutes longer, which I also don't approve of. <laughs> you know what? Fair. Bianca Belair beat Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai's big comeback has come to an end. Uh, they set up, basically, Rhea Ripley against Bianca Belair in a number one contendership match, I guess. That's both laid claim to a title shot, so I assume that's what is coming next. Man, Belair was super blown up trying to cut a post-match promo. Yeah. I mean, it happens. I was just like, I didn't expect that from her because she's kind of like got this super athlete vibe going to her. Mm. Yeah, this match was it existed. <laughs> I was, I, I, I had more faith in the Dakota Kai uh, return run, but alas, it was not to be. They've given it, as I said, they've given it to Tegan Knox because the, 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 when I watched the Bianca or when I watched Dakota Kai even make her return a couple of weeks ago, I was like, why didn't they drive home the in return from? Oh, poor Dakota Kai. Yeah. She kind of got some cool, like, offense. Yeah, she does some cool stuff, but she's... She, her, her place on the pecking order is now clear. <laughs> Exceptionally. Uh, then we went to our main event, which is Walter against Kushida. Walter in the WWE. I was watching this it's match. It's weird. It's weird because he's not the same wrestler. And not like he's not a good wrestler, because Walter is great, and Walter can do lots of different things. But Walter basically goes 50-50 with guys in WWE and it's very strange. I don't I don't think I like it. I don't that like that's not why I think Walter is special. I think him and Kushida had a good match, but it's strange to see him, the guy who's known as like pro wrestling's best final boss, the guy who who like just getting a move in on Walter lends you credibility. That's been the way Walter has worked everywhere he's been for the last like 3 years ever since he really broke out. She's just like going toe toe to toe with Walter and losing, even if Walter takes eighty percent of the match, is a credibility enhancer. And here he just goes fifty fifty with everybody, and it's kind of bizarre. I'm gonna explain it to you. It's the WWE. Sure, it's a different game. Like that's not how they act. That's not how they book. I don't like it. Like <laughs> by being the final boss, it means now that he has a bunch of cronies. Not that he is a tough final boss to beat. Yeah, and like they had a good match, and Walter still looks like Walter because he's freaking Walter. But yeah, uh, yeah, this match was a match, and it's just funny because like if you had have said like, "Oh, this match is happening in Rev Pro," I would have probably been way more excited for it. But it probably would have been the same exact match. Well, it probably wouldn't have been. Walter would have taken more, and Kushida's comebacks would have meant more. I don't know. There's something about Walter outside of his very specific companies that doesn't click as much with me personally. Like, obviously, in WXW and OTT, and even in Progress, I feel like he really is Walter, you know? He's world-class, he's top-tier. In other ways, he's just kind of... It's Walter. Mm, the guy with Imperium. Yeah, the, the guy with Imperium. You know what? Like, if Imperium is knockoff Ringkampf, WWE Walter is just gonna knock off Walter. <laughs> Yeah, like that's what it comes down to, really. Like this is just 
Walter, but toned down. It feels like somebody trying to reverse engineer what makes Walter special instead of just letting him be special. <laughs> that just, yeah, but that just feels like WWE to me. Well, that's that's always WWE. Uh, that is NXT. You know what? You brought me down on NXT. I like. I didn't dislike this show, and then basically every single thing I said for the last half hour has been. You know what I don't like about NXT? <laughs> I bring out the negativity in you clearly. All right, we have some. We have some Mauro quotes that I missed. Actually, I forgot about that. Oh, let's go. The best of Mauro Ronaldo on NXT on USA Week Four. Yeah, like Travis Scott. Isaiah Scott is always in sicko mode, and when it comes to his in-ring skills, this Scott is sick with it. I don't know who Travis Scott is, but I assume. To oh, be... you don't know Travis Scott? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not in touch with the culture. I'm I'm the much reverse like, of Maro. Much like Wale, he is a hip hopper. Hmm. So so I assume to people who know who Travis Scott is, that's pretty repulsive. <laughs> yeah, that's why I I buried my hand in my heads in my wait <laughs> sorry my head in my hands you've lost your ability to speak after hearing my quotes Maro has infected my brain strong a native of the sunshine state proving to be as tough as working under the florida sun for minimum wage heavy shot the heavy shots indeed at at the working class <laughs> like bushido the way of the warrior He may be taking a beating, but he keeps on ticking, said of Kushida. That's for his friend, Bush Barnett! In comes Fandango, and he's all about that ballroom blitz, and it's sour not sweet for Wesley Blake. That one's just bad. Like, it's not even fun. No. As I said, if he'd rolled out just the gritty one at the start of the show, I'd be like, oh, good one. All of these, stop it. I'm going to start tweeting these. We tweeted the gritty one last night. So if you follow War Games Pod, you will be subjected to the worst of Mauro as well. You can't The gritty one was him. so exceptionally amazing yeah. that it warranted me sending it to you word for word before you even got around to NXT. I posted that in the Voices of Wrestling Slack last night, and people were like, that is not real. I've made this up. As I said... I was I liked this show more b- before I started talking about it than after. <laughs> match of the week, I think we'd probably both agree Bucks against Private Party. Yep, that's my match of the week as well. And show of the week is, I, I still think, middle of AEW, still not great, but I think on the whole, it's a better show. I also give my vote to AEW this week. No need for democracy! But we shall go to democracy nonetheless to see what they said. Uh, 193 votes on the poll. 79% AEW, 21% NXT. And I, I, I acknowledge... This will somewhat be a popularity contest over time, but it's very clear who is the most popular. We ask you to remain objective and unbiased like we are mm-hmm. when you make when you make when you cast your vote on the War Games Pod Twitter. And please only vote after you've watched both shows. <laughs> but... Yeah, like I wait to vote until I watch both shows. You can wait to vote until you watch both shows. There is no way we can actually enforce that, though. So, winners of week two on a two-week winning streak, probably both in the ratings and in creative, AW. Congratulations to Big TK and have a happy birthday. This is his birthday. His victory is his birthday present. <laughs> the greatest victory of all. Before we go, where can people find you on Twitter, Liam? At Larrikin. L-A-R-R-I-K-N. 
We are not the only people covering AEW on the Voices Wrestling Podcast Network. I really meant to plug this last week and I forgot and I felt really bad. Uh, you, <laughs> you can listen to Everything Elite, I'm pretty sure every Friday, on the Voices Wrestling Podcasting Network to talk about a lot more than AEW Dynamite. They talk about AEW Dark and all the news coming out of AEW every single week. And if you want more of your WWE fix, well, the Voices of Wrestling Network Podcasting Network has that for you too. I don't know why. But not not, not that Shake Them Roast is a bad show, that you want more of WWE. Um... Uh, Shake Them Ropes covers Raw Smackdown, NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live every week. So if you want to know what happens on those shows, Shake Them Ropes, Jeff, and Chris is the place to go. You can follow me on Twitter at GarrettKidneyGA or E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at WarGamesPod. Thank you so much for listening, and bye-bye.